Welcome to Up My Hockey with Jason Padolan, where we deconstruct the NHL journey, discuss what it takes to make it, and have a few laughs along the way. I'm your host, Jason Padolan, a 31st overall draft pick who played 41 NHL games, but thought he was destined for a thousand. Learn from my story and those of my guests. This is a hockey podcast about reaching your potential. Hey there, hi there, welcome back or welcome to you listeners to Up My Hockey with Jason Padolan. I'm Jason Padolan and today we have the privilege of having Wade Redden on the podcast. Wade is a thousand game NHL veteran with a resume that is almost too long to go over, but I'm going to do my best to go over this man's lengthy resume. He started his junior career with the Brandon Weekings in the WHL, where he played for three seasons. Uh, Wade was the WHL Rookie of the Year his first season. He went on to be a WHL All-Star, where he, uh, where I had a chance to play with him in Prince George. He was also a two-time gold medalist with the World Junior Team, uh, first in Red Deer and then in Boston with me in 96. His first gold was in 95. He... Went to the Memorial Cup Championships twice. He beat us, Spokane, in the League Championships the second time, which I still cannot get over. Uh, He was a second-round draft pick. Not second round. No, 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 no. Second overall to the New York Islanders his draft year. Brian Burrard went first. That was when he ended up getting traded to the Senators, who drafted Burrard first. It was a strange trade that usually never happens, but he ended up becoming a Senator where he spent 11 seasons with the Sens. Ended up being the assistant captain of that team that went to the Stanley Cup Championships against Anaheim. He was a two-time NHL All-Star He also represented Canada in 2004 at the World Cup. He represented Canada again at the 2006 Olympics. And this guy uh, ended up going on to playing with the Rangers. He ended up going on to play with St. Louis. He ended up going on to play in Boston, where he went to the finals again with Boston. And what a career. This guy really was one of the best of his era. Uh, I'm really, really proud to have him on. It was great to have a discussion with him. He was very, very generous with his time. uh, And it was great to talk with an old friend and an old teammate. So without further ado, I bring you Wade Redden. All right, here we got, I got Wade Redden uh, on the podcast. So welcome to My Hockey, Wade. Yes, thank you, Jason. Good to be here. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, interesting. We ran into yeah, we ran into each other in a in an airport in uh, in Mexico coming home. Like that was probably five six years ago now. And then again in uh, in a parking lot in Subway there with uh, during the playoffs before everything got shut down. Um, which is which is crazy because obviously we go back. You know, I mean, our junior days is where we really were crossing paths a ton. And then our careers took a different path, and it's great to have you on here. I'd love to kind of explore some of that stuff with you. You know, even back in those days, um, maybe even a little bit before we got to to the WHL, and and walk some guys through. I know a lot of guys listen right now that are that are here are worried about the Bantam draft, which is coming up, and the WHL Bantam draft. And uh, I think that's kind of an interesting age to start because hockey kind of starts getting real at that point. And I know more so for the guys now than maybe for us because. It wasn't as big of a deal back then, mm-hmm. but um, I know you were part of a draft there in 92, was it? Was it the 92 Bantam yeah, draft? What it would I guess it would, yeah, three years, 
somewhere around there. Yeah, I think it was a 92 draft because yeah. I, I was I was looking at it. And I know that I was one of the guys, because I'm a year older than you, um, the draft had already been instituted, but there was a few of us that had already been listed uh, prior. Right. So like my draft, it was myself, Jeff Friesen, and um, what's his name? Travis Clayton was, uh, oh, there was yes. yeah, there was three of us that had already been listed. So we were listed as 13 year olds and we weren't eligible for the draft. But I believe your draft was the first year where every single player was eligible for that draft because no one had been listed. Do you remember that? Is that accurate? Well, yeah, they could be right, actually. So mention that named Travis Clayton. I grew up playing with him since I was like eight years old. And he was, and I played against Jeff was also up in Meadow Lake, Saskatchewan, just north of where I'm from. So we knew those guys very well. And yeah, I mean, they were the best players in the country. And I mean, I didn't know you at that time, but obviously right in the same realm of, of things. And, and then, yeah, the, I guess in those days, the draft was just kind of starting. As you said, I was part of the second one. So it didn't really have a lot of notoriety. There wasn't a lot of talked about it. I mean, you didn't have all the information that kids have nowadays. So um, I remember getting drafted though, and it was during provincials. We were playing down in Mormon, Saskatchewan, and our team with Travis and my brother, whatever. We had a good little team, and I think we were doing a, a series, and we we're down in Mormon the night before the draft was happening, and. I had no clue. I was kind of innocent to it all, but there's a bunch of scouts and a bunch of people that I remember were talking to my dad about it. And then sure enough, the next day I got drafted by the Wheat Kings and um, we kind of had a connection. Kelly McCrimmon had coached in Lloyd Minster and his dad had played some senior hockey way back in the day. And my dad knew the family. So other than the fact it was a nine hour drive from home, we we're pretty happy to be going to Brandon and, uh, and it worked out very well from there. But yeah, it was, uh, that was, that was a big time. Obviously I was, like I said, a little naive to it all and didn't probably understand what was really happening, but as playing provincial hockey and I just love playing hockey. So I had a chance to, to join, you know, we'd seen a few blades games and stuff. That was my only connection with the Western league, but, uh, you know, obviously excited to be a part of the Wheat Kings. Was it, was it, I mean, because now it is so different, right? It's so different, like talking with the families that are doing it. And, and again, I mean, yeah, I knew so. it was a good, I was knew it was a good player, right? But there wasn't, you know, there, there wasn't the craziness, right? I mean, like, yeah, you got listed on your birthday. So you knew that you were, you were supposed to be one of the top guys and, you know, maybe one of the top three guys for me at the time. You were drafted second overall. So you knew that you were obviously somewhere up in the higher realms of, mm -hmm. of the development curve. Um, but again, there was no, there was no internet rankings. There was no this, there was no that, right? So we were kind of in a little bit of a bubble with that. And, and now these guys, like they watch their stock go up and down, you know, they're 14 years old and that's all they're talking about. And they're trying to be on the right team and they want to hit the right tournament. And, um, you know, they don't want to go to that team. That's, that's 12 hours away. Or, you know, the parents are saying, well, there's no way we're going there. And it kind of gets a little bit nuts. So when you say, um, you know, it was nine hours away, but I was happy to go. Like, is that, is that being real? Like, were you happy to go nine hours away or were you like, Holy smokes, man, I'm not sure about this, but you went anyways. Well, I went anyways. I mean, I guess looking back at things and as a 16 year old kid moving away from home, they, I mean, you miss out on a lot when you're away from your parents that long and are from for that far. Um, so obviously didn't really appreciate it. I love going, I love playing. It was a little bit of a tough transition initially to 
you know, to, to be away from home and do all that. But once you sink in and be, become part of a team, I was pretty fortunate to have a good group of guys and a good team and a good organization right. to kind of bring us in. But, um, <clears throat> yeah, no, it was uh, – I, I was happy to go, I guess, at right. the end of the day. And, cool. uh, and it, it was a great experience. My junior days were, were a lot of fun. I, I mean, looking at kids nowadays, though, and the hype that's put into it, I, I feel a little – yeah, I feel bad for some of these kids. They're at 14 years old. They're moving to different academies and prep schools. And I don't believe, I mean, I can't, I find it hard to believe that that's what they need to do. I guess there is, does come a point in those days where, I mean, if, I mean, a kid from a small town, I'm from a small town in Saskatchewan. So what does this kid need to do? If, if I was living today, would I need to move away and play with the team? I hope I wouldn't have to at 14 years old but it seems to be happening um i just think it's you know as far as a kid developing it, it it's a big big onus on a kid to move away from their parents at that age and i i don't think you see the probably see all the uh you know the sacrifices that it, it re requires or amounts to it today but you know that's a developing time for these kids and to be away from home. That's such a, a big thing. Well, I believe, I mean, yeah. And I, I hear, I can hear in your voice and maybe, maybe knowing a bit about you, like the perspective is way different as a father too, because you look for sure. I mean, I'm sitting here with a 10 year old, a nine year old and a, and a seven year old that all love hockey and Hudson's potentially five, six years away from moving out. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, that's, that's I what know. I did. Right. And I was an only child that my parents like supported that. And that's like, it seems crazy, but at the time when you're 16, it doesn't seem crazy. Right. It's, it's what you want to do. And it's the dream you're chasing. No. And it's this like, yeah, hell yeah, let's go. Right. Um, yes. But even with that, like if we, if we can go back, I, cause guys get so wound up and I want to focus on the draft for a little bit and like in the anxiety and where they're going to go and who's going to take them. And what if you're a first rounder or a third rounder? Like, I think like a guy like Travis Clayton is maybe perfect to talk about. Like what happened with Travis? So like he was one of the best in the nation. And then what, what happened with Travis? Like, what do you think his story, how did that story turn out? Well, like I said, I, I mean, we grew up, since I was five years old, I played against them. And then our little towns were only like 20 minutes apart. So by the time we were eight, nine years old, we joined teams because of the, you know, we needed kids to, to make a team. So he was, you know, 12, 13 years old. I think he's been the same size. He was like the biggest oh. kid. And so he didn't grow, but still he went on to play junior in North Battleford and he, you know, was their all time leading scorer. He, he just made the decision. I think he could have gone scholarship. He had opportunities to do that, and and he and he chose not to. And he went down, and played a lot of pro years, and uh, played a little bit in the IHL, some AHL oh, cool. games, and then he was in Wichita for for a long time. And right, um, so right, you know, he made. But yeah, he had the opportunity. I think he was always talking because he got listed by Saskatoon Blades, and uh, no, I never ended up going there, but. I, I never knew the reason why, but you know, he was always a, a top player and little right. guy, but so he did play. Games. I mean, I guess my point is it's like, it's interesting. You look back in those drafts, right. And guys get really wound up about, you know, what that means to them in their career. And, you know, it, it, it means something at that age, but it doesn't mean much because guys are just starting their development, right. Guys are just getting going. Um, 
and, and, and there's lots of different paths, right? So, I mean, you look back even on your year, I think there might have been six guys that even played in the NHL from that entire Bantam draft, let, let alone, you know what I mean, have, have real I careers. I should go look at that. Yeah, list, it's really wild, right? Um, to see, I mean, how hard it is to make. So, I mean, I guess it's like anything else. You get drafted higher in the NHL draft. I think your opportunity maybe goes up um, as far as what, you know, your role on that team and how many chances they're kind of going to get, give you. And I think the same would be said for the WHL scenario of, of like making the team, but it's by yeah. no means a, a make or break scenario. Right. And I, it's tough when you're in the moment, I think, but I mean, my, my message is, is like, just relax, right. Just breathe and, and, and take care of what you can take care of, which is, which is not where you're going to get drafted. It's what you're doing <laughs> off the ice or on the ice. Right. That's going to help you the most. Yeah. And that's a great, I mean, that's all you can do really at the end of the day. And these kids, they do, I remember being around the, uh, <clears throat> I think they've stopped doing it now, but they had the Western Canadian Bantam Championship here a few years ago. And I think the Western League actually sponsored the tournament. So they're in there giving their message and these kids are all 14, 15 years old and, um, you know, getting hyped up about the Western League. But do you know what? As far as a kid's development, yeah, the Western League is a good option. College is a good option. But there is a lot of onus, as you say, about this draft. And it is crazy because there's lots of stories, too, where kids don't get drafted. And then they grow six inches and become great players. Or, you know, kids are the top player at the 12, 13. And, and then they just kind of peak at that level. Like, there's, there's different routes for all these kids. And I guess it's having that, the right mindset to, you know, to, to believe in yourself, to have that work ethic, you know, if you want to do something, if you believe in that and, and I guess at the end of the day, a kid knows where he stands and, and things and as you develop and as you go on, it's, it's just putting the work in and, and doing what you need to do to get to the next level. Some kids are going to develop and be there, some aren't. Yeah. And I don't know. I don't think you need to put too much stock in this draft because there's a lot of kids that that find their way, whether they're taken high or not. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Got to take care of what you can take care of at the end of the day. Um, yeah. I, and your your journey, I saw that you, before you went to Brandon, you played uh, Junior A, right? And it's, that was yeah. similar to me as well. As a 15-year-old, I played in Penticton with the Panthers. Uh, Paul Career was on that team and, and oh, uh, wow, Jeff Torrey and some other guys. So um, that was a big move for me, though, because I was either going to play second-year Bantam, um, try and play midget somewhere, or maybe play BC Junior. Decided to play BC Junior. Personally, had a pretty good year. Scored 20 goals there. I mean, it's a man's league, right? You're playing with 20-year-old mm -hmm. men, and it was it was a tough league. So it was a good, uh, you know, initiation, I guess, for what was ahead in the WHL. Was there, like, how did you navigate that as as that point? Was it your decision? Was, was your, were your parents heavily involved in, in where you were going to play that year before, before the WHL? Well, yeah, I guess my option was because there's no midget AAA. I know Lloyd Mitzer. I just grew up in, outside of Lloyd, and they have midget AAA now. They don't. They didn't in those days. So I, my next option would, be on North, would, would have been to go to North Battleford and play midget AAA with them probably was, the, I think, something that was kind of an option. Um, I ended up going to the junior camp for the Blazers, the AJHL team in Lloyd. I ended up getting cut initially, and then I went down to Junior B in Lloyd. I was gonna, I was prepared to play Junior B in Lloyd, which is again playing against older guys and um, a decent league. They ended up, they had a really good team in those days, the Lloyd Mister Bandits. 
but uh, so I get sent down. I played 10 games and I get called up to the, to the Blazers, the AJHL team and end up sticking there. So I end up playing as a 15 year old. But uh, again, I think the biggest issue there was leaving home. Like I was 15, I didn't want to move to North Battleford and which is only an hour and a half down the road, but to be away from home, that was not an option. So um, I stayed home. I was prepared to play junior B and, right. and then ended up being a junior A at the end of it. But yeah, it's, yeah. The thing that comes back to me with all this and kids moving away from home, I think that's, that's the, the biggest concern I have like at 14, 15, that's such an early time to be moving. I know it's required sometimes, but um, yeah, it's just, that's, that's a tough, yeah, that's to do for a tough kid. decision for parents and for kids. Yeah. Was Brandon at all involved at that point with that decision? Like worried about your <laughs> development being the number two guy? Yeah, yeah, they came and um, obviously, well, they were great with, you know, they wanted to do what was right in all situations. But they watched, they came and watched the junior B game. I remember the one scout being there and he said, yeah, this is, this will be fine for him. So, um, yeah, so I was prepared to, playing the jungle for the year but <laughs> right yeah as it was it was it was the jungle oh, yeah hilarious exactly um so you move on you go to the whl at 16 year old um and was you know i mean you 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 had a you had a bright light over top of your head kind of from the moment you walked into the league and and, and you were recognized on the national level which was where you and i crossed paths for the first time um because i actually didn't i, I love doing the research actually for this and looking into guys because um I just never realized at the time, or, or at least I didn't remember that you were actually a year younger. So when we played on that under 18 team for Canada, cause you went to Japan, right? No, no, I wasn't there. No, no. You weren't on that team. No. Okay. You weren't on that team. So I was with O'Neill. I thought you were on that team and like Phillips was, um, I'm not Phillips. Uh, bomb. Okay, okay. I was talking to Mike Watt the other day who was on our world junior team. I know, I know yes. I got that one. Right. So I was talking to Wadi the other day and Wadi was on that under 18 team. And that was just such a, it was such a Western heavy team as well. And I just, I, for some reason, I thought that you were, that you were on that team as well, but you did play oh, under 18 your own year then, I guess. Right. Yeah. And our year we went to Mexico city actually. Oh, really? So <laughs> I don't know what, would there have been only four teams when you went? To we Japan? only had four. Yeah. <clears throat> That's who we had. It was probably under 20 Japan. That's no, it was under, played. it was under 18 at, uh, for Japan. And it was Japan, us, us, <clears throat> and Geez, Russia? Russia, I think. I yeah, think it was Russia. Well, that's that would have been the same for us. But yeah, they yeah. had us in Mexico City the next year. Oh, okay. So uh, that was a debacle. Yeah. Well, yeah, and then well, which maybe which is which is actually a cool little segue because like World Junior, you played on that um, on the lockout World Junior team as an underage, and that was the year you end up going second overall in the NHL draft. Like that must have been yes. a crazy experience to be on that team. The tournament was in red deer that year so just down the road from where i grew up and then <clears throat> there ended up being two guys that got injured jamie allison and i think is it uh armstrong not Derek armstrong but a guy they're both top d guys oh chris armstrong chris armstrong he was in yeah. Moose, that's right yeah Florida draft pick. He was with me and with the Panthers for a while. Yeah, right. So they both got injured at the camp, and then I was kind of next man standing. So I made the team. I ended up 
you know, getting some power play, whatever, was in a bit of a role like that and got a few goals and whatever. So, you know, that was a great team, though. They had, well, Marty Murray and Jamie Allison, Jason Allison, sorry, forward, top forward of the tournament, and then Brian McCabe. Anyways, another Spokane Chief there with you. Yeah. McCabe was a top D-man in the tournament. But, yeah, it was an unreal team and obviously went on to win every game and got the gold medal. But that was a great experience. And then and the that was next still the- year with- that was still the round robin format too, right? Like we there was no yeah. final that year, correct? Yeah, that was the last year of that, and then the next year right. with you, we was the first year with the round robin. But I always laugh. I got to just say this about the World Junior. I remember our time in Boston, <clears throat> and I, <laughs> I'm pretty sure it was you, but we we're singing Sadie Hawkins. Remember, we were in the back of the bus, and we're <laughs> I always remember you had a great voice back then. <laughs> oh yeah they do but yeah yeah I yeah what song it was but there was was it jerome and there's probably four or five guys trying to sing this song and just belting it out is so i still laugh at that that is that's so funny because i was gonna ask you if you remember that and uh oh yeah so yeah in boston and i remember the song too which because it's it makes the story that much better so we'd have our headphones on and whatever the hell we were playing it on too at the time probably some like disc man or or something yeah, right yeah it was sinead o'connor nothing sinead compares o'connor. to you <laughs> <laughs> right so the, the highest the That's highest right. thing you could ever imagine so, so the only guy who, who could hear it was the guy who was singing so we'd have the headphones on and the everyone else could hear it. we couldn't hear the music oh, oh my god <laughs> i still laugh about that bunch oh, of donkeys yeah. on the way yes. to the rink singing Sinead O'Connor to each other my gosh oh, but that's, that's the kind of stuff you remember though right I mean that's exactly the good stuff. yeah um with that whole scenario like what what I, I've interviewed a few guys on this and it's interesting I mean you went on to play a thousand games you know congratulations amazing uh, I know that must have been a, a a real big accomplishment but like you did get the Stanley Cup finals you played in the Olympics um you know, you did some amazing, amazing things in your career. Where does that, where do those two gold medals uh, stack up as far as in the, in the accolade system? Oh, they're right up there. I mean, it's, uh, yeah, <clears throat> you see all, I did go on and play a long time. And, but as far as winning anything big, I think those are probably the last time to be on a championship like that. So it's, you know, whether you're, it doesn't matter what level, when you win, it's, it's a special feeling. So that's, uh, yeah, I still got those gold medals in a special place in the house here. And those are, those are, those are huge. I mean, even when you look at, you know, the, the excitement around the world juniors and being a part of it as a fan now, it's, uh, you know, it's an exciting tournament to be kids at that age. It's some great memories coming back and, and thinking about those days. No, oh, it's awesome. It's really awesome. And it's, I mean, it's one, it's hard to make and two, it's hard to win. And, uh, and yeah, for guys that like, I've, I've talked to some guys and they just, you know, it really ranks up. There's a real special place. And I think maybe more so for Canadians, just because it is such a huge thing here. So it's, it's really a part of our culture and a part of who we kind of identify sure. as, as a hockey nation. And, um, and to be on the winning side of that and, and participate in that guys always hold that real high. And I think that's special and should be acknowledged because it's, uh, oh, yeah. it's a real neat thing to do. Hundred percent, yeah. Um, no, it's, uh, yeah, like we're sitting here talking now <clears throat> about some of the funny, and it's the goofy stuff we did in those days too, and the memories you have away from it. But get a group of guys like that together, top players from across Canada. It's 
pretty unique and pretty special to be a part of that. So I, yeah, hundred percent, I believe, I agree with you. Yeah, Mike Watt. I, I said I was talking to him the other day. He was my liney there on, on during that tournament. And he's he's all gung ho. He wants to get a reunion together of that team. He's he's uh, so he might well, be getting a phone call from him. <laughs> he sent a tweet out. <clears throat> Excuse me. He sent a tweet out about that. And I've oh, did he? To Mike a few times over the years too. He's coaching now, and I've seen him a few years ago. But uh, <clears throat> yeah, yeah, it's the same guys. Even. Oh, it's funny. So my dad played some hockey back in the day, pro hockey before I was around, but he still sees old buddies. And he always would say to us, you know, you got your old buddies. They're never, they'll never go away. So it's coming back now because I see all my buddies from junior or even now that I've gone, been done playing pro too, but you see these old guys and it's like, just, you pick up where you, you know, the relationships you have don't go, don't fade. So it's no pretty special. It's one of the best parts of hockey, and, and that's one of the things you try and get through at the youth level. And even to the parents, it's like, yeah, everyone, I mean, you want, there's a goal. Like, whatever that goal is, it's different for everybody, but you can't lose sight of what the sport's for and what it's yeah. all about. And, I mean, it really comes down to relationships and and uh, and that aspect of the sport. Like I said, you know, I mean, I, we haven't seen each other for, what, 20-some years, and, you know, we, we could go down and have a beer and have some laughs and, and have some chuckles, and you have you, you share there's something just in the DNA about that, right? That uh, yeah. you've been there and you've done it and, it and it's great. And that's a great aspect of the sport too. So oh, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that. Yeah. Um, before we get into the pro, I'd be, I'd be remiss if I didn't talk a little bit about our la my last year. And I think last year was both of our last years where you, you knocked us out in the, in the league finals in the league championships. Right. Um, so for me personally, I mean, that was a special time because that was the first, uh, first year in Spokane's new barn, right? So we had that new barn there oh, that's yeah, still yes. just an, uh, an unbelievable junior facility. And, um, and we were the number one ranked team in the CHL going into that uh, playoffs, which you probably don't remember, but you guys had a great team too. And I think you guys were ranked in the top 10 or maybe even the top five. So like we were, we were touted going into that as being the, the, the two top teams. But we ended up being down three games to nothing to Portland that year in the first oh, round. I didn't know that. Yeah. yeah. So we were down three games to nothing and we had to come back. We won game seven in overtime. So um, regardless of what happened there, like, I, no, Darren Sinclair scored it. Darren's okay. Yeah, Darren Sinclair down. scored that. Um, I think I had won that game. But anyways, he, they, he got the big yeah. one. And uh, – and yeah, so we were going to be, we were history making anyways, right? Because no one had ever done it. And I don't think anyone still has done it. Come back down from three, nothing in WHL to, to win. Not that I know of. Which, yeah. I mean, it's hard to do, right? But it was, I mean, it was the perfect oh, storm because we were the better team. We were running into a hot goalie there at the start and we kind of had to get our feet <laughs> from underneath us. But anyways, then we ended up going on and then playing you guys. And I was uh, personally on fire that, like that whole playoffs. It was just sort of one of those things. We came back from World Junior that year and I think I got a little bit of, confidence from that and, and just was rolling I had like 21 goals in 15 games going into I that series that with too. you guys yeah. yeah and had a couple good games in Brandon and then and then I got shut down I totally remember the we you guys came back to spoke and I had a shorthanded breakaway went to go top glove on Laner it was Laner right uh, Layman uh, Layman Layman right yeah, yeah. and hit the post on him and anyways and I couldn't score the last three games and we ended up losing in five to you guys but um like that was a good run for me. I know you guys had been to the Memorial Cup the year before, but what was that like? You mean winning that championship, you know, and, and moving on? Well, <clears throat> I just mentioned before, like that, like play, winning the World Juniors, but then that's different even from winning a league championship. Like that league championship, that's still such a 
you know, just the grind you go through to get there to, to win, you know, what did we have to go through three or four rounds of playoffs and spend the whole season, you know, it's, it's such a special thing when you're with those guys all year long. I vividly remember that whole playoff run too. And even leading up to it, I think the last, including the playoffs, we had a 23 game winning streak. And so we won, I think we swept the first two rounds then we won the first two games around three, and then we lost two against Prince Albert. But leading to that, so that's 10 games, and then I think we won the last 12 games of the season too. So, you know, we had a really good team. And then, yeah, no, it was – I remember the first game in, against you guys, we won an overtime at home. Or it was overtime, and then we lost one nothing game two. And then we had that – the way they had that set up was uh, – if we split the first two games, game three stays in Brandon. So we yeah. play game three in Brandon, win that, and then, yeah, we come back to to win game four and five in Spoke. Yeah, in Spoke. That was really yeah. disappointing for us to not yeah. be able to win one there, but that's the way it I goes know. sometimes. But, no, I mean, yeah, so awesome. Like, obviously, you were on the other end of it, but, uh, I mean, for me, it was uh, when you win a championship like that, that was my last real champion, our only real championship, I guess you can say, to win that Western League championship. So that's a tough league, man. Too that's hard tough to win. League to like, win. Of yeah. Course. yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, you know what I was just looking at? You mentioned Brian McCabe, who uh, who actually I got in touch with the other day, and I'm glad he's still doing well and involved with the Florida Panthers. There, but amazing career. Played with him for two years in in Spokane, and then I noticed that. Like, my memory is crazy bad when it comes to stuff like that. But he got traded. He was on that team that beat us, right? No, no. So he was no? uh, the year before we got him. The year before. Okay, and that's when that you went was, to the Memorial Cup that, that yeah. year. Yeah, gotcha. that year we lost. Well, Kamloops was hosting that year, and we lost to them in the league final, and then get we got a berth to the Memorial Cup because we were the Western League rep, representative. We didn't win the league, but we were finished second to them. So yeah. we ended up going that year. But Caber came to us that year. And uh, that was his last year junior, so he moved on. To, oh, okay. So he must. Okay, so my memory isn't that yeah. bad. I got my I got my dates wrong in the DB. I'm like, I don't remember <laughs> playing against Caber. Like, that, that, that no, would be no. more memorable. You wouldn't have been trading him if you wouldn't have been trading him that year. Right. No, 100. percent I was like, why would we have team. traded him yeah. that year? I was like, yeah, actually yeah, doing yeah. the mental math. I'm like, that was a poor poor decision. But anyway, so I'm glad we didn't <laughs> trade him. <laughs> yeah, he was a hell of a yeah. player. And then he was. Uh, I just remember going against him in practice, like. One, I mean, he was good, but two, that was back in the days where you could stick your stick. He could stick my his stick between opener. my leg. Oh my god, it was oh, impossible. He, too. he was an artist with that move. He was an art, and and why wouldn't you be right? Like that's such a oh, great way to slow guys up. Oh my god, I'm so glad they took that away. But I mean, that was the era that we I played know. in, right? Like trying to get around a defenseman and they could do whatever the hell they almost wanted to you. Um, well, I even laughed in those days too. The forwards and the D is always a constant. F, not FU match, but back and forth just because holding up. Remember, guys would dump it in, and if the fours didn't hold the guy up, then the D would be all mad at him. <laughs> There's no holding up anymore. It's like, yeah, obviously with the hooking and the holding, but I still remember that the squabbles forwards and defense used to have about not holding up or holding up. Yeah, and you could just go for a water ski too. You could hold up all day oh, long, yeah. man. If, if you didn't do that, you're going to hear from you. 
yeah exactly no that's funny what um and i was always mad at you guys because you guys never you i thought you were you should have went and won the damn thing and you made us i uh, I was like those guys made us look bad they should have they should have went on did you did you run into something there that you you didn't expect or did you guys just kind of underperform or what do you what's your memory of the memorial cup there that year well that year we went to peterborough and then um yeah we so both years we lost in the semifinal of in the tournament and I remember losing to Peterborough when we were there. And it was a tough game, I think. I don't know. I don't remember the details of it. But I remember the refing was a little suspect. And so I'll, I'll use that as an excuse. But yeah, it was I French referees. Ref- that was a problem. <laughs> the Homer, Homer referees. No. <laughs> but no, we, we didn't play our greatest there, to be honest. We kind of, you know, after riding the high and being on that wave of you know just that feeling you have when you know you're gonna win i think we kind of lost that a bit and then we ran into like granby ended up winning that year they had an unreal team they had well george the rock was on their team um well, i can't remember all the names but was jason doig on that team jason doig was on that yeah. team yeah francois bouillon okay guy that played a long time yeah um, little defenseman, right? Little defenseman. Yeah. He was their captain. I think I, think. I fought him when he was in Montreal's farm team there. Yeah, he's a tough, <laughs> tough little bugger, actually. Yeah. Um, and then, but they had, a, they had a really good team. I can't remember who else, but as far as forwards, they had some guys that could score. But they, yeah. they had a good team, and they went, ended up winning it. But disappointing because, yeah, we got to go there. And just the disappointing part, I guess, was that I don't feel like we played our best, so. Right. This, you know, but uh, that's the way it goes. So you move on from there, and actually, uh, I will cover it briefly because the other thing we have in common is that we both got traded for Kirk Muller at one point. <laughs> oh Jesus, that's something to hat on. Yeah, isn't that a trivia question? <laughs> so I know you were you were part of that three three player uh, or three team deal, which which kind of swapped first and second round picks there when when uh, Berard went to the island you were originally drafted by the island then you went to Ottawa and and yeah and uh, Muller was involved in that going to Toronto and then I was the guy that was traded for Muller from Florida uh, at the deadline I think the two years later so I we we we, we share so that you went to Toronto I went to Toronto yeah from oh, Florida okay. so I was um, yeah, yeah. which is a really impactful point in, in my career it was it was kind of interesting I, I want to touch on that a little bit when you ended up going to New York because it's just something different about going to a different place. Um, yeah. Uh, it was a little, obviously way different for me because it was my first year pro when it happened to me and you were, you were well into your career at that point. But, um, but yeah, so we'll touch on that a little bit later, but I want to talk about you getting into Ottawa. So, I mean, you're coming out of the WHL, you have a great run, you go to the Memorial cup. Um, you were, you had a letter on your chest there and Brandon, uh, second overall pick. How was it stepping in there and what were your expectations after that Memorial Cup, did did you did you feel confident enough that you're going to make that team? Do you think that was where you're going to end up? Uh, I did, yeah. I, I guess. I mean, I think in my mind that um, I know. I guess I I spent the one training camp with the Islanders. I knew I wasn't ready at that point um, to play in the NHL, and I was looking forward to getting back to Brandon and and uh, and having that year junior, which ended up being a you know a real good year for me, and then. Um, yeah, and then I guess over that year, getting traded to Ottawa and kind of realizing and talking to my agent and knowing what was happening in Ottawa as far as the way the organization was changing. And they had, a, I think there's like 12 new players on the team when I got there. There was a lot of young guys, a lot of draft picks that were 
starting their careers. Guys like Yashin, Dag, Alfredson had just won the Calder Trophy. Radek Bonk was another top pick. So there's, you know, some guys coming in there and, you know, some excitement around it. So, you know, I guess my mindset going in there was to make the team and ended up being like the fifth game of the year. Sean Hill and Stan Neskash, who was another high prospect that played a few years before me, but they both blew their knee out in game six of the season. And so I was probably going to be a guy that would have been in and out of the lineup a bit at the start for sure and had to earn my way. But these two, two of their top six guys went down and uh, kind of opened the door. And I, I ended up playing every year, every game that season and had a good rookie year. And um, I think the mentality with Jacques Martin and his, his approach was really good for me as he was a patient guy and um, we had a young team and we had to work hard for everything we got. But uh, so it was good for me to kind of be able to learn by making a few mistakes. And my game was pretty efficient, but, you know, I was given opportunity to do things. And, uh, you know, I really, really appreciated that to be able to have the opportunity because, um, you know, that's all you ask for. And I, I tried to make the most of it. Yeah, well, that's interesting. I mean, and everyone sort of has that little story. And, and like you say, maybe, maybe you've been in and out or maybe in a not quite of a bigger role, but then all of a sudden injury happens, you're able to step in um, yeah. and take advantage of, which is huge. Uh, I want to maybe dig in a little bit on what you said with Jacques Martin there and like maybe able to make a few mistakes and being patient. Was that like, was there a message to you? Like, did you feel that you you couldn't make a mistake? I know I've been in environments where I felt like people, and maybe it was just me, but I felt like people were watching and they were watching mm -hmm. for the mistake more than they were watching for something good. And as soon as that mistake happened, they were looking for a reason to, to not play again. Did you, did you ever feel that there or was it the opposite? No, I was the opposite. I didn't feel that. And I, I had, have gotten that feeling in other, op, in other situations and it's a terrible feeling. And I, I hate coaches that operate that way. Like just, let a guy like, cause you're going to get the best out of a player by just letting them be themselves and play their game. And um, so I've never, never really understood that approach of some coaches that are just on all over guys for no good reason. Um, right. Some guys are a little more emotional than the others, whatever, but no, Jacques was, was not that way. He demanded a lot and he wanted you to work and, and compete. And you had to do all that obviously, but uh, um, you know, it's a game of mistakes and they gotta, and I think the thing too, yeah, you, yeah, you're going to get the most out of guys. And obviously it's some guys are, are going to be there. Some aren't, but you got to give guys freedom to, and confidence just to go play and then do their thing to, you know, to, to show what they can do. Sure. There's a fine line there too. And you're first stepping into that league. Cause there's so many, you know, there's so many elements that are beyond yeah. just the type of hockey you're playing, right? I mean, you're you're in a league, you're in a city like for the first time probably in your life. That's like a real city. You're you're uh, you're playing against guys that you've probably had their posters on your bedroom wall growing up. You know, you're you're doing all these things that are new, and now you got to try and navigate the game, uh, which mm -hmm. is the only thing that you're kind of feeling comfortable about or should be. And then if you're in an yeah. environment where you feel like you can't make a mistake, it makes it hard, right? Because yeah. you know you're gonna make some. You know, and then yeah. the question is, how quick can 
you get comfortable in that yeah. environment. Um, how, how was that as far as your first year? You said you, said you played the All-82, which is amazing. Um, was, there, was there a few kind of big eye moments? And I'm sure there were like where you're like, I can't believe I'm on the ice with this guy. Or like what, what were your sort of ahas of, 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 that, of that year? Yeah. Well, I even go back to my first camp with the Islanders and playing an exhibition game in MSG. I took a two-on-one. I think Graves and Messier were coming down on me. I was 18. And I can still look up and – I must have been in the second period, but all my, my recollection is I look and it's just like everything's just kind of like in fisheye view or something. I could see the bright lights from the scoreboard above and those two guys coming down on me. But, um, but definitely some moments like that where, um, yeah, I mean, Gretzky was still in the league then and Messier, those guys were with the Rangers. Lemieux, there's, I have a few, few pictures of guys like, Lemieux was, I think, hadn't retired, whatever he was in his stage of his career. But, uh, yeah, it, uh, it's, it's pretty amazing when you think about it. And being a young guy playing against these guys, it was a pretty huge thrill. No, that's really wild. And that was something I wish I had a little more time there to try and get over because I was, it was a big eye moment for me, right? It was, it was, it was that I d of like am i really supposed to be on this ice kind I of know. feeling right and it's yeah. like wow right and it and it and again like you never know how much opportunity you're going to get or how many games you're going to get or you know how long that 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 rope is but uh you know i think it's a little bit different for everybody i know your demeanor you seem like a real like a low low pulse guy you know and do, do you think yeah. i don't know if that is it because some guys look that way and they aren't um but do you do you feel like that is the way you were and that that your kind of makeup uh, helped you na navigate that a little better yeah i guess so i mean that was always my game was to be efficient make the simple play it was nothing flashy um but yeah i think yeah my mind i mean as far as pre preparation and being ready for the game i think i took a lot of onus to that and just making sure my mind was where it needed to be and um, you know, to play that way, to play that game, to, um, but yeah, it's funny, you know, when you think about the grind of what it takes to, to be at that level, to stay at that level, like you can't get caught up in that stuff. And as much as you'd like to enjoy the moment and, uh, you know, take it all in, you're, you're focused on your next shift kind of thing. Like, I mean, to get over the fact, I mean, at the start, it's like anything the first little while, like the first part of my career, it's like adrenaline or just excitement carrying you on. And then you got to kind of get into a routine and a rhythm of, of what's going to make you successful. And um, to look back now and uh, sometimes I look back now and I kind of wonder if I even did all that stuff or played, a, you know, played hockey for that long. It's just kind of, uh, you know, the mindset when you're in, it, it's just more like day to day. You're just focused on the grind and the battle and, and trying to get yourself at a, at a top level. And it's not even... I wouldn't even say it's always enjoyable, but, uh, you know, that's just what you do. And at the end of the day, there's always those high moments like winning big games or scoring. I mean, you have those, those big thrills and, but it's, it's a lot of work and preparation that goes into to getting those things. hundred percent. And I think preparation is a huge thing. And a lot of these young guys now, um, 
you kind of learn that, you know, you'll learn how to be a pro, I, I think, you know, and, yeah. uh, and whether it is at the NHL or the AHL or any place where they're paying you, you know, like it, it, there is, there is something to that. How did you learn about that? Like what was your process of becoming a pro? Was there somebody there in Ottawa that helped you as from a mentorship role? Was it just you kind of navigating it yourself or, I mean, walk us through how, how you, how you learned that. Yeah. Well, I think you look back at the Western hockey league. It's a, that was a bit of an education too. And the way we were coached and the way the league is, I mean, that's, you could call that pro hockey pretty easy too. Just you're at the rink every day. You're, you know, there was demanding too, which was great. Um, you know, in our learning process, obviously it's not quite the level of a pro situation, but that's really, there was the approach in Brandon. We came to rink. We, you know, we were pushed hard. We had to compete every day in practice games you know preparation we, everything was done the same way so when I got to the pro level it was obviously the same we had uh, I remember a sports psychologist worked with our team uh, for the, a long time in Ottawa pretty much my whole time in Ottawa was Jacques Martin Johnny Phelan was his name and he was a professor at Queens and he was also play I think he was the captain for the uh, national rugby team so he, here's a tough guy awesome dude but He'd come and work with us and talk about, he'd have presentations probably three or four times a year, just getting mentally, you know, what it takes, how to prepare, how to visualize, how to do all these things to, you know, to keep your game at a high level and, and really get the most out of yourself. So I still have a lot of those handouts and I still think a lot about those tips and advice of, of what it took and, and uh, what did you need it to do. And everyone's different. Everyone does their own thing, but, um, you know, he really helped me with that for sure. And, um, and it, yeah, it's just all about coming, you know, being prepared, doing the things that you need to do to be ready. And, um, and that's a big part of it. Just taking a quick break from the conversation to remind you that the best way for you to support this show is to go to wherever you get your podcast and try and review, try and rate it, and share it, subscribe. That is the way we can get uh, more eyeballs on the podcast so we can get the value here in front of more people. So if you are listening, if you are enjoying the content and the program and the guests that I'm able to bring out, that would be an amazing way for you to support is just like, share, and subscribe. Uh, once again, I appreciate you taking the time. It doesn't take much time, by the way, if you've never done it before. It's legitimately less than a minute. So if you can take that time, it'd be much appreciated. Now, back to the conversation with Wade Redden. No, that's great. I'm glad you glad you mentioned that. I, I had an amazing interview with Danny Briere. Uh, he was one of my first guests on, and and oh, talking wow. about his journey, you know, from the mi minors where he was doing great and was a first round pick and all the rest of it, but he had a really hard time figuring out how to be an NHL player. And 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 he talked uh, really vulnerably about his time with the sports psychologist and how like everything that he was doing off the ice ended up transitioning into a position of confidence on the ice where he felt like he belonged. Mm -hmm. And it was all, I mean, you're not getting into specific details, but I mean, that, that word preparation is huge, right? And it's like what you want to do when you're, when you're not with your skates on, right? That, that, mm -hmm. that makes a big difference for a lot of guys. And uh, I do want to get into it because I think now you're sort of dealing with some of that stuff with the players in Nashville um, yeah. on, on that side, right? And it's something that well, I do now anymore. too. I'll, I was doing that. I didn't do that this year, but... 
I did oh, okay. three years doing it for sure. Yeah. Okay, awesome. Yeah, we'd love, we'd love, I'd love to get into that because I find that really interesting because that is something that I'm helping guys with now is, is that, like you, you've said it a couple of times, the mindset is such an interesting word, right? It, it means different things to different players. It takes a mindset to be a pro. It takes a mindset to become your best and, and to fulfill kind of the, your potential. And, and I, I think in some aspects, that was where I felt that I was missing some things, right? Like taking yeah. that opportunity or really understanding how to step into the moment, right? Being confident in a situation where maybe you, you haven't earned the confidence, right? That's a really interesting mm -hmm. thing. Right yeah. to be confident in an environment where you've never actually had results before, and yeah. there is uh, and there's a mindset to that, and there's a process to that, which I have learned now after, and which I love talking about because it's such a powerful thing, right? And it's interesting for me to hear you still remember the sports psychologist that you talked to three, four times a year, and that had an impact on you, and you have the handouts, right? It obviously yeah, yeah. you, right, and obviously something that helped you. Oh, for sure, and yeah, when you mentioned the fact that I. You know, I just did three years of player development and I stepped away from it this year with Nashville, but that was, that's kind of the biggest message I always had was, you know, what are you doing away from the rink? Because it seems like these kids nowadays, when it gets to on the ice, they are all talented. They all can handle the puck and shoot the puck and, um, you know, hockey sense, whatever. It's a, it's a thing too, but, you know, what are you doing away mentally to, to make sure you're ready? Because... I mean, that's a big part of it. Just, we always talked about the apex, like I'd have to look at the handout again, but he had kind of a graph where it's like your emotional side and physical. And then there's like a, there's a, there's a zone there where you want to be, right? Like the mm -hmm. apex of all these things. And, and how do you get to that? And um, so it, it's really interesting and, and really work can be done to, to get yourself. Cause um I mean, having your mindset, we talk about that. It's hard to explain really, but um, you want to be away from the rink. You, you want to have a balanced life. You want to do all these things to, to be happy, to be whatever, fulfilled. And when, so when you get to the rink, everything's clear. Everything's open. Your mind, your body's always just focused on that one thing. So um, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's a big process and, some guys do it better than others, and it takes a learning process to, to figure things out for each individual. But I, I believe that that's a big part of your performance is, is having your mind in the right spot. Yeah, 100%. Um, I, coaches play a big part in, in teams, in, in individuals. Um, did you have any coaches that were – influential for you or any ones that that maybe you didn't get along with is there any like highs or lows when in, in that department when you when you look over the coaches that you were a part part of uh well i wouldn't say i didn't get along with any um i always tried to work with people and and do you know respect what they did and stuff i definitely i guess when i look back at my career in ottawa jacques was was really good to me perry pern was there my whole time too um, there's a few different other assistant coaches. Craig Ramsey was an awesome, awesome guy. He'd played a long time. He was kind of a selkie trophy guy with Buffalo for years and really had a great demeanor and, and uh, uh, personality and sense of humor and stuff. And I really look back on some of the little talks I used to have with him. And, and he, was, he was a quiet guy, but he just had a way of connecting and, and kind of 
knowing what your mind was going through. So he was able to help me a lot in a few different situations when I was struggling maybe or just simplifying things, stuff like that. Um, I played for John Tortorella in New York and I really feel like I would have had a much, I would have really enjoyed him at a different time in my career. I kind of liked the energy abroad and, and stuff like that. I was kind of, my play was going down and, so he was hard on me and it wasn't a great situation, but, uh, you know, a lot of it, uh, he's really stood up for me in a lot of situations too. So, um, so, you know, different relationships, different situations kind of have different memories of each guy, but right. I, I tried to get the most, you know, take, take, uh, you know, learn a lot from all these guys that, that had different styles and different approaches and, um, I mean, that's a mindset right there too that you're talking about you know because there is you can ask the yeah. questions of you know why isn't this working for me or why doesn't this guy like me or you can ask the question of well what can i learn from this or what 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 can i do yeah. differently or how can i get better right so like same situation two different questions and you're, your brain's going to start looking for different answers right yeah yeah and uh it's all perspective i mean i think touching on my time in new york it was it was kind of a tough time in my career because I just signed a big deal there and my, you know, I hadn't, so my mom just passed away. I moved from Ottawa to New York, big change. And I just, I could feel it almost. My mind wasn't like, I talk about being at the top of my game in Ottawa and those, you know, those, you know, my best years of my career Then going there and I could just, I didn't maybe acknowledge it as much. That's where I look back and kind of say, Geez, if I would just would have done this, would have done that. I, I could feel it, but I didn't act on it enough. And so then my game, you know, continued to kind of spiral down. What were you feeling then, when you say you, you felt it? Like, what, were, what, what, what does that mean? Uh, <clears throat> well, I think physically, I, I, I was just, I think it was emotionally. I think a lot of it was just dealing with, I want to say, with my mom and stuff like that. And I tried to just keep going and doing the same things I was always doing to, to get myself ready. And it just wasn't working the same. And I think I should have just taken a stop and a pause and, and deal. You know, I talked about before having your mind in a good place away from the rink, you know, allows you to get to the rink and, and be at, at your top level. And I think, you know, I, I should have heeded those words back then right. and, and done some things differently and just taken a pause and slowed things down a bit and, um, but as, as this life goes, I mean, you're in a, you're in the day to day, you're going, you're grinding, you, you got to get ready for the next year. And I just tried to keep plowing through and it didn't, didn't work out that yeah. well for me to, to be at my best. So you do the best you can, one, right? Yeah, you do the best you can and you try to, you know, you think you're doing the right things, but you know, you looking down. back, I would have done things differently. Because it, it, it's because there's there's lots of things. I mean, you, you talk about the the New York scenario, and I've never I've never signed a big ticket. I mean, you you signed you signed a relatively big ticket that two year deal right before. So I mean, you you had you had a, a big money deal, uh, but you signed that big money deal in a comfortable environment with a team that you've been with for ten years. Like I I think that there's yeah. a little bit of a comfort there, right? I think there's a little bit different, and then. And then I'm and and tell me if I'm wrong. But then like to sign in as, as a free agent now a real big ticket going to a really big market. Uh, there has to be some level of like 
wow, you know, like what's next or how am I going to react in this scenario? Or like, was any of that going on for you as well at that time? Well, yeah, I guess a little naive going to New York and understanding the, the fan base and what happens there. And, and just that's, I mean, when, so when I did my first interview, I remember doing a press conference kind of over the phone with them and they were talking about the next Brian Leach, like, run the power play I'm like ah I didn't say anything but I'm like I'm not really the same player as Brian Leach here so I don't know if that's obviously the expectation when you come in making a lot of money and um and then you know then I talked about all the other stuff that was going on with me and I just I just didn't feel I gave myself the best opportunity for success there so um but yeah it's uh yeah it's demanding spot New York and then I get there and things weren't going great and the fans get on you and it was like, Oh my God, what the hell am I into here? Wasn't right. a great, great feeling at all. So ended up, you know, obviously getting sent down to the minors, spent a few years there and it was actually ended up again. I tried to take it. It was actually a breath of fresh air to be honest, to, to get out of that situation and to go to the minors was a bit of a kick in the, in the pants, but <clears throat> You know, I kind of swallowed my pride. Actually, the first call I got was from Brad McCrim, and he was a great kind of mentor. His brother Kelly was my GM and junior, but you know, you know, he was. It was great to hear from a lot of people reached out and knew the situation I was going through. So I had a lot of help and support and stuff, and ended up going down to Hartford and having a few good years. I enjoyed my time there, and yeah, um, and kind of got the, you know, had some fun again. It seems like, you know, getting back to the big contract thing and, and sometimes guys, their first couple of years, they don't do well with the big contract and it's not, you know, you're definitely not alone in that scenario. And a lot of times, like as far as the media or the fans portrayed, it's like, oh, you know, cushy or whatever, or they got their money and now they're not trying anymore. And like, but first of all, I think that's bullshit. And I think it's super unfair because, you know, you don't get that contract from being like that. Right. I mean, you, yeah. you, you're putting in the time you do the work. So I think, first of all, that's not fair, but I think, I think the side that doesn't get talked about is I, I just think that there'd be another level of expectation on yourself and from the organization and from fans and like the stuff you're talking about that really changes the game a bit for you. It has to change the game a bit for you. Then you, you, you load on that. Now your mother, who is obviously one of the most important people in your life has passed away. And now you're trying to deal with all this. And, and at a time physically, when you're getting a little bit older and you're dealing with some of that stuff, yeah. like it, it might not be the perfect recipe and it has nothing to do with whether you want to or not. Right. It's just, it, it, it's just psychology. A lot of it at that point. Right. Yeah. And no, so when I do look back on that situation, that whole time in my life, I, you know, obviously I would, would have done some things differently. It's a learning process too, though. And I'm, um, you know, as much as it kind of, you know, I'm not bitter about it or anything like that. I, just, I look back on it and kind of, you know, wish I would have done things differently, basically. I guess it, call it regret, call it what you will, but it happened. It, it, I learned a lot from it. It's kind of an experience that, you know, it is what it is kind of thing. So, yeah, I know. Um, but oh yeah, like all those things you said, it was kind of a, it just, it was a lot, a lot going on. And, and as there is a lot going on in everyone's life and everyone's career, and you got to find a way to navigate through it and, and, uh, and get the best out. I mean, as a professional hockey player, it all comes down to performance on the ice and, and you got to do whatever it, it takes to, to get yourself ready. And that's, I guess, really a lesson that, that I learned and a lesson I try to 
you know, when talking with you and, and the kids you talk to, that's really what it comes down to is how do you get the best performance out of yourself? And, yeah, you know, there's different, obviously people get older and you don't, you know, there's, you know, when you get older in your career, it's just kind of, it happens where you slow down and stuff like yeah. that. But, um, there's there lots, a support lots of mechanism? stuff to think about. Do you think uh, as far as, uh, I think of myself personally, like I told you, I was going to maybe dig into that story a little bit, but like when I got traded for Muller, I was, I was sleeping in my apartment in Greensboro, North Carolina. I, I'd played 19 games with the Panthers in my rookie year pro. Uh, they had sent me down, but it was like, you know, they were really great about it. You know, they're like, Hey, you're part of this thing, right? This is just, you know, this is best for your development right now. You're going to be here. Like, don't worry. And in my head, I was like, I'm going to be a Florida Panther for 10 years. Right. Like, and so I was yeah. down there, I was, pointed game guy in the minors and then the phone rings on the trade deadline day and I get traded to Toronto. And, um, so I, I left from like being in, in an AHL city, like that's not a hockey city to being in the Maple Leafs dressing room with, you know, Wendell Clark and Matt Sundin and like nobody that I knew at all. Right. Like 22 yeah. guys I'd never met in my life, coaching staff. I'd never been to camp with those guys. Right. So I went from like a different league to the best league, new city, like, yeah. And Toronto. Right. And like same yeah. thing, 20 reporters. And like, and I felt like at that time, like I had an agent, Mike Barnett, who was one of the most respected guys going, but like, I, what is he going to tell me? Like he, he said, good luck, Jace. You know, like I was, so I was in this environment at 21 going like, I felt like it was just me and it was just me. And that's one thing that I kind of regret is like, I wish I would have surrounded myself with asked more questions or like had a support group. Like, because it's yeah. hard to navigate, you know what I mean? I don't know, like you were, you're talking about stuff now, maybe your biggest adversity was at the end of your, your career there at 30 or whatever, but do you, did you feel at that time that you were, you had someone around you that you could talk to or help you through that? Or were you doing it by yourself? Uh, no, no, I just gotten married too. So she was, my wife was awesome and is very good at, you know, a great support system, obviously. And so I had her, my agent was big for me, Donnie Meehan. But like you say, like as, as much as you go to Toronto, the hotbed of the hockey world, but you're alone. Like that's what I find a lot of these kids too. Like as much money or as much notoriety or whatever, at the end of the day, you go home to an empty apartment or you're a single guy. It's a lot of loneliness too. And that's, that's hundred percent what I would have felt um, as a young guy that you would have felt. And I don't know if, the age has changed. Kids reach out more. They're more connected. Maybe it's the technology, whatever, but you didn't have anyone you could just text or, yeah. or you weren't on Instagram. I don't know. Stuff like that. Like, yeah, there's a, it's loneliness and, um, and not understanding, you know, in those days, no one reached out. You just kind of sucked it up. You did what you had to do. Everyone was toughed it out. Right. But you know, I think that's when you, the mental health, you know, supports and stuff like that. People understand more about what kids are going through and what people are going through and you need help and you need support. And um, that's probably one thing I was bad at too, is reflecting on my feelings and, and understanding what you're going through. Cause I, you just focus on the next game and you just kind of bury whatever is going on and know, okay, we'll practice. Okay. Yeah. We'll get ready for the game, but you didn't really, dig too deep into to what the real issues were so i think that yeah. you know as an older guy now and a guy with kids you you really try to understand what you're feeling and what's going on because that's 
like I said, again, at, that, at the end of the day, you get those things in order, your game's going to flourish. All right. When I even value I me, mean, I talk to guys now and like, I think there's massive value in the value of experience, meaning somebody else has done it before someone else has been there. And I think mm-hmm. teams are getting a lot better at that now of, of incorporating that. Like I heard the Bruins, like they assign almost like one of their older guys, whether it's Char or, or Bergeron to like some of these younger guys coming in. So there is, there's that communication, right? Like, mm-hmm. So I encourage guys now as young guys to ask questions, right? Like it's okay to, to say, Hey man, yeah. like, and, and I wasn't that guy. Right. And then, then I was in environments too, where the leaders weren't really guys that would come and sit beside you and say, Hey, how's it going kid? You know, or like what's going on. And so bad on me and bad on that. But like, I think when that starts coming together, right. And then you start feeling more a part of it. And then it's not like, there's nothing wrong with you, right? Everyone has emotions and feelings and has uncertainties yeah. and things that they're wondering about. But like, if you can have like, a guy or a person or, or, or somebody that can just make things a little bit simpler, a little bit clearer, uh, it helps. And uh, I don't know. Oh, I mean, did you, did you feel yourself grow into that role? Or even maybe when you were in the minors, like, you had an A in your chest. I mean, if, for the Stanley Cup finalist team, right? So, you mean, there, there was leadership qualities about you for sure. Was, was that something that you, you tried to make people coming in feel comfortable? hundred percent. I always felt that was that way, even in junior when, cause I remember guys, <laughs> power vets, right? You call them, these guys try to be tough and they'd be hard on the rookies. And I never understood why you'd want to do that. Yeah. You, kids got to earn their stripes and they got to earn their respect, but I was always make them feel comfortable, bring them in, like talk to them. And, and, and even my role with the pat, like even all the every team now as player development guys, and that's really what it, it's all about too. Like you come in, here's a young kid gets drafted, and on you know, my role, I was obviously experienced and played a long time. So I'm going to talk to this guy. I'm going to make him feel comfortable. You almost coddle him at some points. I'm still got the old school mentality where oh, they got to tough it out too, but. You know, you make it easy for these guys to come in and play their game and, and make them feel comfortable. And so when they do come to the training camp or they're not just wide-eyed and, like, scared, basically, you know, you want them to come in and be comfortable and, and play their game. And, you know, you see it now. Kids, young young kids, 18, 19, 20-year-old picks that come in and are stars in the NHL. So I think that's a big part of it, too, is just have them come in and feel they can be themselves and just – um, so I was always that way, even when I got to Ottawa, you know, rookies come in, you bring them in, make them feel part of it. And, and, uh, you know, that goes a long way. Oh, hundred percent. I've heard it again and again. I, I had one experience that I shared in the show before where at the end of my career, I tried out for the, the Red Wings and that was when Babcock was there and Holland was still there. And, and I had a relationship with Babs from, uh, from Spokane and, yeah. um, and I was going to give her another kick at the can. And, and, uh, and it was just such an amazing experience because I felt, I felt like I belonged in that environment, you know, mm-hmm. and, and it was like the, the least likely of me to make that a team ever. Right. I was 29 years old. I just come back from Europe and I mean, it was kind of like a has been almost right. But I felt like I could play there. And I felt like the guys like felt made me feel like I could play there and just being a part of that culture of like togetherness where everyone is a part of this thing was like nothing that I felt anywhere else that I was in my, in my pro career. And, and when I've interviewed guys like, you know, Brad Larson, I've had on the show and he talked about his time with Colorado and how everything was about winning that Stanley cup. And the guys at the top knew 
that a fourth liner like Brad had to feel like the most important player on the team. And he said there was yeah. times where he felt like the most important player on the team, right? They, they just knew how to talk and how to bring guys up. And, um, you know, so good for you to do that because my God, you might've made some careers there too, by doing that, you know, like that's, wow. that's the thing, right? And that's, I, I mean, I don't claim to be the one to do it always, but as far as like a team setting, a team culture, a team personality, I don't know, like every, you're talking about Colorado and Detroit Red Wings, who are the better teams in those in our, in our days, right? Like right. And these, these are the teams that were successful and won Stanley Cups and Joe Sackick and Steve Eisenman. I don't think you find two better people in the hockey world than those guys. And those are the people leading the charge in that mindset and then you look at some of the organizations that stumble and struggle and you just you know you wonder what how things are operated there and and I think it all starts with like you say treating people the right way and um and you know Lars well we were all in the same world junior team there so and he was you know same same type of guy same person that's you know team guy and and uh yeah, it's funny to hear him talk that way too. So it's not surprising that, you know, these teams have success that do because just the way they treat their people and the way they, they bring everyone together. Yeah, when you talked about Torts too and said, you know, you wish things would have been better there, but that's where, I mean, Brad coaches with him now and he just says right. you know, like the way the culture that he has there and how much he cares for his guys. And, you know, he learns so much from Torts every day and he, uh, you know, and, and that is the culture. It's a caring culture, right? You have to believe the guys care about you. And I think that's, that's yeah. maybe a little bit of a difference from when we started coming into the league that instead of being, you know, perceived as assets, maybe is the right word to use. Like you're considered people and, you know, you're part of something bigger than, yeah. than, you know, than just whatever going on the ice. So it's interesting. I, I like watching that actually evolution of the game and, and how guys are, are, are treated now. What um, I, I wanted to talk about the Olympics and, you know, and, and the leadership aspect of that. Cause I mean, you go to something like the Olympics, I mean, wow. First of all, like what a cool experience and be recognized as one of the top defensemen in, in, uh, in Canada, like amazing. Uh, congratulations on that. It wasn't, uh, like, well, how was that whole experience playing with that group of guys in that environment? Um, you, you know, it just must've been so many, you just could have been a sponge in that environment. I'm sure. <laughs> oh, hundred percent. So I played on a few different, well, obviously from World Junior, some World Championship. I played on the World Cup team in 04. So a lot of the same guys, you kind of get to know these guys and it's a lot of the same players on these teams. But yeah, the Olympics was special. Like, yeah, to be named to that and to go to it. It was a disappointing tournament for our group, but, uh, you know, just to be a part of that was was so exciting and a highlight of my career. And, who were the guys, I guess, looking back? I think Niedermeyer was hurt, so we sure missed him not being at that tournament. But Pronger and Blake and Caver was there. Uh, you know, as far as up front, we had Sackick was the captain. We had an unbelievable – I mean, look at the team. I can't think of all the players on the roster. But, yeah, it was, it was an unbelievable roster. And then, you know, yeah, it was – it was the one thing I can say about Torino, Italy, it wasn't that great of a setup. When I looked four years later and watching the Vancouver Olympics and the excitement that was around that, it was looked like a much different environment and, and uh, experience for the, for the participants. But yeah, to say that I went to the Olympics, it's pretty cool. 
pretty cool to be a part of that. Yeah. What was did that did that take precedence over the World Cup in, in your in your opinion? Uh, yeah, it would have. I think for sure it was. Uh, I ended up getting hurt in the World Cup too, so I didn't. I think I played two games of that tournament and was kind of hanging around for the rest of it, which was fun too. But. Uh, <laughs> um, but no, it was uh, yeah Olympics. And we got to see some other sports too, which living in the village and doing that was kind of the experience that you, you remember a lot too and meeting some right. of the other athletes. And there's actually uh, an athlete, she was a uh, speed skater from Lloydminster, girl, Chrissy Myers is her name. So she was, I think a year younger than me in high school, but she was on the speed skating team. So I remember meeting up with her and we all went over to watch some of the races and stuff. and. Uh, and yeah, just to be around some of the other athletes is is pretty cool. No, oh, that's amazing. Yeah. When you assemble when you assemble twenty guys or twenty two guys that you know are the best, the best of the best of the best, and and you put them on a team. I mean, there's a lot of things that go on with that. I, I know when you put on when you put on that jersey uh, for Canada, you know, egos egos can go away. Uh, but sometimes they don't too. Uh, but, and every guy in that room is a leader in his own right too, probably on his own club team. Like, was there anyone that really just stood out to you as being like, wow, this guy's got the DNA of, uh, of a leader. You know, I mean, this guy, this guy well, is somebody I want to follow. Yeah. Well, actually my partner was Adam foot for a lot of that tournament. So he's a guy that, you know, I really kind of soak up and I, you know, a guy that was in Colorado won a few cups by that time. And, um, you know, I really respected him a lot. So guy like him, um, but just, yeah, their mindset and just the way they talked and the way they operated in between periods or what they said, you know, he's obviously a leader on every team he's been on and in Colorado and he'd won a lot of things. So I still remember some of the things and just the way he operated and how he acted. Uh, um, you know, he stands out the most probably, but yeah, it was just kind of interesting to observe guys and see how they prepared or what they did to, to get ready, um, you know, for big games. It was, it was interesting to kind of take some of the things they did and, and try to better yourself too. Yeah, that's really, that's really cool. I could imagine. Yeah. Cause everyone has their own way. And even uh, I'm, I'm, I'm getting into different biographies and stuff and Kobe Bryant has, has been on the radar for obvious reasons here recently. Yeah. And so I've been, I've been reading about him more and, uh it's crazy yeah i mean everyone has their own way in their own path and maybe not everyone has it quite dialed in as well as others but you you can see it sometimes right and you can feel it when a guy when a guy has mm -hmm. that thing or that that way about him and uh and and how powerful that can be not only within a team but within an organization i mean i i really think like the the c on a team is a is a big deal and and sometimes uh well, I don't know. I don't want to get any team specifically, but sometimes it's going to the best player, even at the NHL level, when it's maybe not the best captain. And uh, yeah. for me, I think that's that can be a, that can be problematic in a lot of ways. Um, did you who who in who in uh, in Ottawa there? I mean, watch you. Somebody comes to mind is like Chara. So you played together with Chara for for a while. Yeah. Um, he ended up going to uh, to Boston when you know, it was the cap era issue. They kind of had to make a decision between the two of you, if I remember correctly. You end up staying in Ottawa. You, you go to that. Yeah. You go to a Stanley Cup final, I think, the next year with a letter on your chest. Chara goes opposite way. He ends up winning a cup four or five years later and now is still playing and now recognizes, you know, one of the mm. best kind of of all time, maybe even, you know, in yeah. some realms. Like, did you see him in, in that way at that time when you guys were together or was he more just a peer? 
well, no, I think, uh, so he came to Ottawa, what year was it, 99? <clears throat> and he hadn't really established himself yet. He'd, he'd played a few years, I guess, with the Islanders, which is an organization that kind of was stumbling and never really seemed to get going in those days. But <clears throat> he came in, and he really, yeah, to look, watch a guy and to see how he operates and to, just the preparation, like this is a guy that was committed 100%, worked out all the time, was like no-nonsense guy. And, uh, yeah, he was really good for our group. And I, I remember even getting a chance because I went to Boston late. At the end of my career, I played a few games with them at the end. And just to be around him again and just the presence he has amongst a defense core, obviously, first, but also the whole team and – the way he leads, it's just, it's a no surprise Boston's so successful the way they are because he's so committed and so dialed in. And, you know, add to the fact his stature and the, what he can do physically and stuff like that, you know, he's just a guy that makes it easy for everyone around him because he's such a strong leader and, and does all the things and doesn't do 100% of what it takes to be successful. So, right. you know, he was really good for our team in Ottawa. And, uh, you know, it was unfortunate. I, I don't want to say they had to choose between the two of us. I wish there could have been a way to kind of keep him around because obviously he was, he was he's one of the best that's ever played and, and does so many great things. But uh, well, I remember know, some guy. guys talking about him, Redzi, like earlier that he, like he was like not really that good. Like he, he, you know, had a hard time getting around out there. His hands weren't great and, and kind of evolved into this player, you know, like, and that's kind of why I was talking about him because you did have that, you grew up with him or you kind of grew up together, right? You guys, you guys established yourselves together and then you had that, you know, he left and then you joined again. And then the, the second time you played with him was like when he was at a way different stature level and on a different team. And I, I, I kind of thought that'd be interesting for you to see that perspective of like playing with him at a younger age and then now joining him again, being the Boston Bruins almost, right? And what that would have been like. Yeah, no, for sure. And by the time he left Ottawa, yeah, he was one of the top guys in the league at that time. He was, how many years did he play in Ottawa? Like it would have been five or six. And, uh, but yeah, like I said, just the way he did prepare, because he probably was that player in, well, in junior, he got to the Islanders, and yeah, he wasn't anything. He was a big guy and was strong. But just, yeah, I guess his work ethic kind of got him to where he became a player. Like, he was starting to make plays with the puck. I remember him dangling around. Like, he was just, he wanted it so bad. I think that was his his thing, too, and the way he worked in the offseason. I was reading an article about him, how he's, kind of because his dad was a greco-roman wrestler right in the <laughs> 76 olympics in montreal but talked about the work ethic and working smart so i think he's cataloged every workout he's ever had since like the mid 90s and he has it all documented all you know organized and he's just a real astute guy and really focused guy he got into cycling when he was in ottawa curtis decision i think brought that to the table because curtis was uh you know, unreal condition guy too. And they started doing these road bikes. I think they both went and did a couple, uh, there's, there's almost like a experience you can do at the tour de France. So they went and did this, which is like an elite, elite bikers. It's not the tour de France guys, but right. So Char was doing all this stuff and, um, 
his yeah his his physical stature and ability was just off the charts and um, and he and he really worked hard to get him and then the skill level like he just became a player yeah he's he's uh, he uh, he's one of the best. I'm really drawn to those stories now. Um, of the guys that like, I mean, talent is one thing. And, you know, I think you and I can both relate to that and, you know, that you're whatever you're good or you're talented or you're this, or you're that. And then there's the guys that maybe didn't have as high of ceiling on talent, but like con- did it with skill, right? Like you, you can, you can train skill, you know, like you can yeah. develop skill and you can develop your talent. And these guys that grow into being these, these these beasts right of the sport it's really like a, a mastery mindset almost and and uh you know i think char is just totally one of those guys that seems to fit into that right like he just worked his way into the position that he was yeah yeah and he uh and i guess it's almost like a ig- no i don't want to say ignorance but a belief that like there's just no other option right like that's all he that's his focus that's that's what he does and i even put Alfredson in that boat too. I played a long time with him. He was the captain in Ottawa for a lot, pretty much all those years. And, um, but just a belief, a work ethic, like every year, every day in practice, there's a guy that would, he'd be, you know, the hardest working guy on the ice. He'd having the fun too. And as far as skill level, they'd always play this game. And I never really got involved too much. I wish I would now, but he was always looking to, get that extra advantage like and it it ended up that's just his personality I think guys like that that that's the way they live their life like they're always whether you're playing a card game or a board game or ping pong or basketball whatever they're always they got to win everything right so they just have that mindset and uh so being around guys like that it's uh it's interesting and fun to, to kind of soak up and try to learn from guys like that. No, hundred percent. I mean, that, and, and look at the culture of Ottawa there. I mean, it went from a losing franchise and all of a sudden you get some guys in the locker room that, you know, one, like you're sitting there saying you're caring about guys, right. That are coming in. You got Alfredson is leading the way. It was like a workhorse. Char is coming in there, right. Doing his thing. Yeah. And wow, you start winning. Right. I'm sure there's other guys that are pieces of that puzzle, but I mean, it, it's, yeah. That's where culture starts. I really believe that, you know, it's about the individuals and, and caring about each other and, and doing a little bit extra, right? Pushing each other, trying to get better. Um, yeah. I, I have a buddy uh, that was on your run there, uh, Dean McCammon, uh, the, the year right. to the final. And, and so he lives here now and he's, he's a coach here locally. I've been out to one of his practices, a, a good guy. Talk a little bit about that run. I mean, the, the line between winning it and losing it is real fine. Um, I, I know everyone everyone just wants to remember the Stanley Cup champion. I think that's the way life works and the world works. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it, it's so close there. Like, what, what do you? what's your takeaway from from that run there when you got to the final and lost to, I think it was Anaheim that year when, when mm-hmm. Dean was with you, right? Yeah, yeah. No, that was, uh, yeah, that was a special run. Very special time. Like, being in Ottawa and that whole – playoff experience um it's funny though to touch on it at the start like yeah you get all this way you get right to the final you lose and then here you're watching tv and they're doing their parades they're doing everything and it's like nothing happened almost for the losing team it's like it's over and you have nothing to show for it so that's that happened also in oops shoot that happened also in uh well i was with boston my last year where they Chicago won the final and same thing you just it's over there's nothing there but I guess looking back and 
any time in the playoffs was the best time of the I mean, you always look forward to that time of the year where it's springtime, the weather's turning, winter's done. It's nice out. You're going to the rink with the windows down and playing big hockey games. There's, there's no better feeling than that. And then to have some success, to win those three rounds and to have the fan, just the excitement around the city, that was obviously the first time the organization got to that point. And, you know, we come back from, I remember winning – we won, it was an afternoon game when we beat Buffalo in the Eastern Conference Finals. So we get back at whatever, five, six in the evening, the sun's shining. There's people lining the streets outside our, where we landed our airplane. And just the excitement around that and the people that uh, knowing during our games, they kind of adopted the Red Mile thing too, that Calgary had started back yeah. in 04. And I think they called it a Sens mile, but the whole street was shut down and like everyone is just so excited about it. So to know that that was going on and you're a part of all that, it was, it was such a cool, cool experience. And um, yeah, but at the end of it, when you don't win, it's like it all ends so abruptly and there's nothing to show for it. So it was disappointing, but at the same time, there's a lot of great memories. Some of those big games, you think about overtime wins and and games where, you know, key situations and games where, uh, you know, we rose up and then got the job done. It's, it's such a great feeling. Yeah, and it brings a team together. And I mean, I, I, I bet you could probably name every guy in that team or if, if or 90% of them, right? It's just like there's something about those teams where you, you mean, you have to come together to get that far. It's just that's the way it is. And I, yeah. I got goosebumps on my forearms when you're talking about it, the playoffs, because like for me, that's that was always what it was all about. You mean like, yeah, I, I mean, the regular season was fine, but it was no matter where you played, it was always a grind, right? It was like to get to the next one and, you know, to. Yeah. But then when, to, when you're playing to play again, and it's just, like you said, there's that certain flavor in the air, and it's just a different time of the season. And and that was what it was all about when guys – and that's where you saw the true the true medal of guys too, right? I mean, guys yeah. guys come out there, and it was uh, – I don't know. I just always love that about sports. The playoffs was always just the best. And, uh, oh, yeah. And that was yeah, the biggest was- thing I missed. When I got out of the game, it was like I, – I didn't – I mean, I, everyone says they missed the room. Of course, I missed the guys, you know, like – but I got fun buddies at home too. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like that wasn't the biggest thing, but it was like that competition level is what I missed. Right. Like when, yeah. when you are playing to play again, there's something special about that. And, uh, and I missed yeah, it. Me but, too. Um, your last year there, when I, when I was first up with Florida as a rookie, so that was when we got knocked out by you guys. So I got knocked out by you guys uh, in Spokane and then they called right. me up to Florida and Florida was in the playoffs. So you, you couldn't go anywhere because you're going to the Memorial Cup. And so Florida was in the playoffs and I was supposed to play when I, when I landed, uh, I had a practice and then I was supposed to play the next day against the Bruins. So it would have oh, been wow. an NHL game. Ray Shepard was hurt. I showed up for uh I had the pregame skate and I came into the room for the night, right? To, with my suit on and everything else. And Ray Shepard had some like miraculous recovery, like during his pregame nap or whatever. <laughs> and, and, uh, and then I never saw the light of day again. Right. Like that was the closest I got. And then I was a black ace the rest of the way, but that was the year they went to the finals. So, like we went, Oh yeah. I mean, yeah. I was on the ice in Pittsburgh when we beat Pittsburgh in game seven, right. With the jer- with the t-shirt on and like, ended up getting swept by Colorado. But I mean, that was a really wild way to start my pro career, right? Like going to the Stanley cup final as a black, ace and traveling with the team and doing all that stuff with right. I thought you played games there with Boston but when you weren't playing were you kind of uh, in the black ace sort of role or what, what was your role 
Yes, yes, basically. I So I started playing. I got hurt in game four against in the first round against Toronto. So I separated my shoulder and then I missed game five. I played game six and then, and then, yeah, I couldn't go in game seven. They ended up, that was a big comeback when they came back late and, and ended up going. So oh, wow. and that was kind of the coming out party for Tory Krug too. He ended up scoring like, I don't know how many goals in the next round. So then I never ended up getting back in. So I was kind of around and practicing and, well, yeah, I was like a month and a half just kind of hanging out and, and watching and maybe getting a chance and trying to stay ready as much as you can. But, um, <clears throat> but yeah, that was kind of the same role, black ace and just just taking it all in. So Black ace in Boston is different than in Florida. We, yeah. were, we were playing volleyball and we, we had the best tans going. You should have seen. <laughs> <it>. yeah. <laughs> yeah, I would have probably enjoyed that more so. Yeah, that's funny. Um, Good memories. Uh, to wrap things up, I would love to talk about, you said you're not doing with Nashville anymore, but I mean, it's, it's definitely in line with what I'm doing now, what I'm passionate about. And that's, you know, the player development side and like the stuff that we're talking about, right? Getting guys ready and how can guys, how can guys be the best they can be and have the careers that they want? And how, how did that, uh, well, one, you're with, so Scotty Nickel is there. So Scotty Nickel, who I have to have on this podcast, because like I played with him in Detroit. So for the Vipers. Okay. Yes. So it was... I mean, I, I had been traded twice at that point. Something crazy happened to me and the Kings. And, like, it was, a, it was a weird scenario for me where I was like, I don't know why I'm in the minors and why I'm bouncing around. And, like, I want to be somewhere else. And it was, like, this kind of really weird scenario. And Scotty Nick was on that team. And we had, like, probably the worst team ever assembled in the IHL. It was the Tampa Bay's farm team. They had taken me off waivers. And we were horrible. Tampa was horrible and we were horrible. And we only won, like, 20 games that year. Scotty Nick was our captain. I loved him to pieces. Mm-hmm. But like he was 25 or something or 26, I think that year had, had played two games with Buffalo at the time, you know, in, in his, in his history, he was 11th round pick or whatever. And he 13th. was a scrappy power penalty kill guy, a like good character guy. But honestly, I would never, ever, ever have suggested that he was going to play 600 games in the NHL. And he mm-hmm. left that season with me in Detroit and went on and played 60 games for Calgary the next year. And I still don't know how that happened. Like, I'd love to know how that whole scenario happened for him and, and how he got on. But enough about Scotty. I will save that for my interview yeah, yeah. with him. Yeah, but yeah. he's the guy. In, so you're working kind of right alongside with him in Nashville, right? Like when you were yeah. there, right? Yeah. So him and I played together also in St. Louis. Okay. Which was where I signed after the lockout. And then I, and I'm getting training to Boston from there. But um, so no, Scotty and I hit it off. He was actually really good buddies in Rochester with one of my teammates in Brandon, Darren Van Owen. Oh, okay. So we kind of had a connection there and then we really hit it off. And then, yeah. And he brought me in to kind of help him. He was doing it all by himself, doing the player development thing in Nashville. So he was awesome to work with. And I'm sure I'd probably... Yeah, I don't think he's changed much, obviously, over the years because the way you're describing him, I uh, just loved him to pieces the way that, uh, you know, he operates and the guy that he is, he's such a good dude. Um, but, no, just to see his – so he, here's him and I doing the thing, and I was a high pick, and he was a 13th-round pick. So it's kind of funny the way we uh, – our careers went and the way we could kind of relate with the kids that were coming up through the Predator system. And there's different ways to get there, right? So that was kind of the big message we always had was, you know, whether you're a high pick, whether you're down here and not drafted at all, whatever, like, it's up to you guys. It's, uh, no, nothing's written in stone here. It's kind of 
there's opportunities and and there's a perfect example of a guy that found a way to do it right like he was you know went to calgary he was just a tough feisty he did whatever he had to do he was, ended up being like a top face-off guy in every every season he played killed penalties you know did all those things that he had to do and and did him with energy and, and was a great guy to have around probably too, which helped him a lot. So. Oh, a hundred percent. I mean, I yeah. have a big smile on my face as you're talking about him. I mean, I, one, like I said, I love those stories. I do think they're great. Um, like the perseverance and the grit and I mean, to play five, six years in the AHL, you know, and, and, and still be there and still mm. really believing and chasing that dream. Like I'd love to talk to him about that, whether he actually did believe, you know, if that, or right. if it, if, or if it happened or, or how that worked for him. But you, you touch on a great thing there, which um, I think we should talk about for a second is, but it's about being a good teammate, being a good person and like what that actually mm. means as far as longevity and chance and opportunity and, and all that good stuff. Like it, it's undervalued. I shouldn't say it's undervalued. I think it is valued when it's there, but it's not talked about that much, right? About mm. being about being an impact. You always talk about the player, right? The player, the player, the player, and that's the focus. And that's what you scout. But I think now the discussion is turning more to what type of person this guy is mm-hmm. and how this person is going to help our team. Do you do you did you see that there with uh, with Nashville? Like, is is that kind of more of the direction now? Uh yes, yes, and <clears throat> well, you look at the GM of that. He's been the same GM is David Poyle for the whole, you know, since whatever, 98 that they come in the league. So over 20 years and just the way the person he is and what he values, I mean, that's a big part. They've always been a team that was, that was really good and almost exceeded their expectations. I think because they didn't have a lot of money to spend, but they did do their homework and find the right people and good people to have there. And if you weren't, you know, going to have that, be that person or, you know, if they felt you were a problem or whatever, you know, they'd, they'd do their best to help you, but they'd get people in there that wanted to be there and stuff. And they always found success that way. And now that they've kind of taken the step and become one of the elite franchises really in the league, it's, they still operate the same way and they, they value that so much, the kind of person, the character that, that you have. And I think, you know, when you want to have success and establish a culture, that's, that's really where you got to start. And, and they certainly do that there. And the uh, the development of the prospects is, I don't think it's at a greater significance to, to a franchise than it ever has been now because, you know, with the salary cap era and, and paying big money for the free agents and, and these older guys, right, you need to have your draft picks turn out. You need to have your AHL mm-hmm. guys come in and fill important roles. So um, I, I can really see why people are, you know, taking – I mean, development was, I don't always go back to our dinosaur era, but I mean, it wasn't really like that. It was like, you know, we'll find somebody, right? If it's, yeah. if it's not you, it's somebody else. Now there really is, a, a, I feel like there's more of a microscope on your guys because your guys need to become guys that play for you. Um, how do you, like, what was, what was the discussion there and how did you encourage that to happen? Or how, do you, how did you and Scott handle that development side? Um, well, no, we, yeah, you create a relationship with these guys and you try to instill, you know, the things we've talked about here, like preparation, physical, like we have, so we bring them in every year and I think a lot of teams do this, but we'd have a development camp right after the draft. So you're bringing them in, showing them how to work out, showing them how to eat, you know, mental side of the game, like stuff like that, that maybe they have some experience or knowledge about already, but you know, you're trying to teach these guys and we're using our experience 
and what we've gone through and the mistakes we made, whatever, you know, you're doing, you're trying to instill or trying to pay it forward to these young guys. What, and obviously there's, you know, there's the high prospects and there's talented guys and stuff that <clears throat> you're going to focus on a little more, especially when it gets into their season, you're going in, you're trying to watch them a couple of times a year. You do some video stuff with them, but really what it comes down to is you create a relationship with these guys you try to get them to feel comfortable. You try to get to know them. And, um, you know, if there's things about them that, you know, you'd like to like to improve on, you, you try to do that and try to. Sorry about that. I'm oh, that's okay. Call. You're back. I got you back. Okay. Yeah. Sorry about that. But yeah, you're really trying to just have these guys make them feel comfortable, have them, I mean, I probably would pump their tires a lot and try to get them feeling good. And then, and then too, sometimes you got to be, you know, you got to be honest with them. And some kids would come to camp or the development camp and they'd be chubby, they'd be out of shape. And you got to say like, you got to, this is on you. Like you got to do the things. This is what you got to do. If you want to be an NHL player, you got to put the time in, you got to work, you got to be conditioned. You know, we talk about body fat and, and all these things that this, these are things you can control. And going back to Scotty and the way that he, uh, you know, how he made his niche, he came, he was always a top condition guy in training camp. Like he was a 13th round pick. How are you going to get noticed? What are you going to do to get out there? And so you go and you battle hard every day, you come to camp in the best shape you possibly can. And, um, you know, those are, those are all intangibles that you can control. So, you know, All what right. can you control? Do those things right and, and gives yourself the best chance. So those are a 100%. lot of the messages we tried to give to these young guys. Well, what, what was your touch points during the year, like to develop that relationship and, and to really, I guess, I mean, you, you got to develop trust, right? I mean, because it's, it's one thing to put a figurehead in front of somebody and say, you know, here, here's what you got to do. Um, and there's another thing to actually develop the trust where – they believe you have their best interest at heart. They want to be able to share stuff with you. Right. And, and, and then there's, there is that relationship. So how, how does that get built? Is it like once a week? Is it once a month? Is it, is it an open door policy or call me when you need me or how, how do you, how do you develop that? Yeah. Well, it was, uh, yeah, I guess just getting in front of a person and, you know, you go out for dinner with them after you go to a game, I guess a lot of it too. Like we spent this week at development camp. We were, there's so myself and Scotty and then it'd be the coaches from uh, Milwaukee. So you do a lot of things together. You're spending all day together for like seven days. <clears throat> you, you can get to know some people pretty good and you just talk to them, right? Like, I don't know. You try to be vulnerable yourself and try to be open and honest and create a relationship. However, that happens to develop. Right. But uh, yeah, you talk to them and, um, I guess getting in front of them and <clears throat> excuse me, having a conversation, having dinner, just, you know, some, some takes longer than others, um, depending on the people, but, uh, you know, try to earn that trust and try to tell them like, you know, this is, this is where I see it. This is what I, you know, I want, I want to see you do well. I want you to be the best you can be. So try to try to give them that stuff. Cause I, at the end of the day, I didn't really care about, I didn't get a lot of money to do what I was doing. And obviously I cared about the organization and the organization is going to make the best decision they can to, to have success. 
but you're trying to help these young guys to, to realize what they got to do and, and how they can, you know, get the most out of themselves. So it's fun yeah. to watch though. Like, cause Dante Faber was the first, when I first got there, I just kind of come on board and he had just gotten drafted. So here's a, another Penticton V actually speaking about, but, uh, you know, it was really interesting to see where he came from. Um, and there's a few other kids too, young D-men, Quebec kids that are unreal guys. That, But you just tried to – it was fun to watch them because they were kids that were committed and wanted it, and uh, you just tried to help them along their path. So it's fun Super to watch rewarding. them now where they've yeah. developed. Yeah, totally. Yeah. What – if with your time there, what would you – could you pick one or two things that like that, that you notice with guys coming out of junior now, whether they're top prospects or not, like the, the one, one or two things that, that is missing, maybe not in their game, but maybe it is. I mean, you, I know you mentioned preparation a few times. Is there, is there something that you could say, Hey, guys need help with this. This is, this is one thing that they should be focusing on or trying to develop. Um, well, I guess at that age, you know, you're always going to have to get stronger and faster. And so I think, yeah, just, uh, you know, what are you doing in the off season conditioning and stuff like that. Um, but other than that, I mean, it is a lot of it comes down to the player they are and who they are. And, um, you know, you, you try to, you know, just tell them like this, you got, you got to put the work in, you get, this is the stuff you got to do to, and a lot of them know, you know, are, are on that right path already, I guess. But, uh, you know, I guess at the end of the day, uh, there's a few kids in the minors right now in Milwaukee, a couple of young kids from Quebec that are defense that they're great players. Are they going to be NHL players? I don't know. Like they're right on the edge and they're, you know, 21, 22 years old, but um, you know, they need an opportunity first and, and they do everything well, but they don't do anything, you know, nothing's super elite. So, you know, you know, are they going to get an opportunity and they might get there and, and find a niche and, and I hope they do, but it, uh, it's tough, tough league to crack. Sure it is. Yeah. I find that interesting. The one thing I work with, with my guys on, uh, is developing their own standards, you know, and I think that that that's an interesting conversation because it, you know, you talk about working hard in the, in the off season and, and generally teams will give like a program, right. Or, or even like during the season, right. You'll have your practice. That's 20 minutes and maybe you're supposed to go in the gym and do your 20 minute ride, but there's guys that'll just do what they're told to do. And maybe they'll do that hard, but they don't, mm-hmm. they don't think outside that. Like what, what is it that Wade Redden does, or what is it that Zidane Chara does, or Jason Padolan does. That's my own standard, right. That's going to work mm-hmm. for me. That's going to separate me. Right. And I think, a lot of times guys at the younger levels, they get caught up in that, right? Well, I'm doing the work and they think they're doing the work, but it's not really what the work is. And they haven't yeah. figured that out for themselves yet, right? What they need to work on to get better and how do they get need to get better physically. And I think once our guys start thinking about their own standards and what they're willing to do, it's a different conversation, don't you think? Uh, yeah. I mean, I think naturally some guys just have that, DNA or it's ingrained in them to know that maybe they just believe or know that they're going to get there and there's no second guessing, but, um, yeah, no, it, it takes a special, special recipe to kind of get there and to know to stay there. Right. So, right. um, but yeah, no, it, uh, 
And I think a lot of it too, like you talked about different organizations and situations and opportunities and, you know, some of it's luck. I don't know, like you're in the right place at the right time and you, you know, you get the right coach. I mean, you're on your way. Like that's part of it too. And even as far as winning, like, you know, there's obviously there's greats of the game and hall of famers, but you know, if there's guys that have two or three Stanley cup rings, cause they happen to be, part of that group you know what I mean yeah. and then, so everything works out I guess for a reason at the end of the day you could say but um, you try to make the most of the situation you're in and you try to um, I guess just kind of roll with it as you go like you there's a lot of things out of your control and you just got to kind of work with it and then there's the things you can can control so you try to get the most out of every situation yeah, no, I think that's a great point. Being ready for your opportunity, whenever that is. I mean, you can you can yeah. kind of control that, and that comes down to preparation and how you're looking at it. And you don't know. I mean, you know, you don't know how it's going to roll and how many opportunities you're going to get, yeah. and who's going to like you and who's not, and how the puck's going to bounce. There's stuff you can't do. But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, I think if you know if you're doing those things away from the rank that are right, it's going to serve you as a guy. Yes. It's going to serve you as a person. It's going to serve you as a dad, as a, as a husband, as whatever it is you're going to do. And you start learning the right, the right process, which is something that I've really fallen in love with. Uh, you know, I, I was at the time too, but more so after I got out of hockey, I mean, how to be a businessman, how to develop a business, how to be a good dad. Like there's a process to all these things that once you commit to, you start making different decisions. And I think that's, that's one of the messages that I love talking to these young guys about is like, it's your decision. Every day it's your decision, like who you want to be and who you want to become and what type of player you want to be. And when you kind of start yeah. twisting your mindset around that a little bit differently, you start making some different choices. And, and then at the end of the day, you hold your head high because you think, Hey man, I, I did, I did what I could, you know, I did what I yeah. could. I played, I played the game the right way. And, and, you know, not everyone's going to have a thousand in a game NHL career and some guys might not ever make it, but you know, I think it's, again, it's getting, what is sports teaching us? And I think that if that's what it's teaching us, that's a good thing. Right. I know. Yes. I know. That's a great perspective. And that's, like you said, it's going to serve you well because <clears throat> this game's not going to last forever. Whatever kid, you know, you're going to, there's a lot of life to live after. And I think having that, right attitude is it's going to serve you well no it's down awesome. the road yeah reggie i really appreciate you stepping into your gym and chatting with me um i gotta get you you gotta get me into that uh that league you guys got in the winter i gotta come out and play with you guys well we will get you because we do need a few guys that have a knack to score actually <laughs> all of us old defensemen that is <laughs> kind of ruled by a lot of the defensive minded well we got a few guys toots is out there and Renee Bork, they're the big shooters now, but you could fit, follow right in. I'll what keep are some of the names? Yeah, I'm, I'm, sure, I'm sure some of the uh, some of the listeners would love to know who's like. I mean, because we, uh, we never talked about that, but so Wade's living in Cologne, and Cologne is a, is a haven for guys who are still playing and guys who have also retired. So there's a lot of there's a lot of names there, and they got a they got a game a regular a regular weekly game where they come out and play and let, tell some <laughs> of the guys who's playing in that. Well, it's funny actually. There's so it's. Uh, the TNHL Thursday night hockey league. We take it pretty serious here too. And there's a, so the skate's been going on for years and uh, more retired guys come in. There's lots of, there's some really awesome dudes that are local guys that didn't play pro too. But um, Mike Ridley's kind of, he's, uh, he's retired in the late nineties, but he kind of helps organize things. He's still got that wicked wrister, Um, but Todd Simpson, Corey Cross, Tyler Bokes out there, Jordan Tutu and Renee Bork just came out, Quentin Lang, 
who the heck else? A lot of quite a few guys that had good pro careers went to Europe and stuff. But we had Dean McCammond out. He was dangling around there a few <laughs> a few years ago. But we'll get you out. Could be because, like I said, a lot of us. Well, other than Toots and Renee now, they're coming out, but. There's a few old defensemen we play forward now, but we don't have that knack to put it in that. So anyway, that's why you know what I did, Reggie, after I was done, because I was done relatively young, like 30, 31. When I first got done, I ended up buying goalie gear. So I I was, I was playing men's league as a goalie. I always had a little bit of a draw to that. So, uh, so that was where I stepped in. Talk about feeling uncomfortable, not a place. That's a whole new sport (laughs) doing that. But, uh, but yeah, no, now I'm back. I'm back with my player skates on. I enjoy getting out. You mentioned Tyler Bulk there. He's actually, uh, he was coaching in, in my son's league. So I was coaching the Vernon, the Vernon, oh, yeah. whatever Adam team. And he was, I think he was West Kelowna. Yeah, the West Kelowna yeah. head coach there. So yeah, so yeah, we, yeah I ran into funny. him a few times. So anyways, good stuff. Thanks so much for, for Thanks, coming Paul, on yeah. and, and sharing. And, uh, you know, I know, I know there's a lot of good things there. A lot of people can, uh, whatever just learn from me he said perspective and experience are so so special and and there's young guys doing it and i love that you were given back there with nashville and and uh now you're going through with your own kids probably in a few different sports but it's uh yeah it's interesting it comes full circle doesn't it oh it does so and yeah it's it's fun you miss those days right like i i'd go back and love to go do it all again but uh you know we'll kind of watch these young kids and you got three boys i got three daughters so it's right. uh, it's fun to kind of see them as they progress and they love love the sports they're getting into stuff now too so it's it's fun to watch i think it's even better you mean so far i mean yeah, they're young true. but it, it's so fun man to be on the other side That's of it true. and to help out on the ice and to do that stuff it really kind of got my my own personal passion for the game back really right i was sort of away from it and i had yeah. no reason to be around it and then they started loving it and so now i'm back in it like full full on and it's like boy you just That's great it brings back all those memories right and what's so great about the game and what, what it was such a massive part of our lives for so long right mm. really the only thing in our lives for a long time so it's interesting to see this from a different era and now be able to you know whatever hopefully supply some some new perspectives and some experience and some lessons and and just trying to help right i mean it's, it's fun helping i enjoy it yeah yeah it'll be exciting and it's just begun so it's uh hope to see yeah see a few awesome. fedoans on the ice maybe in <laughs> some action here one day 100 <laughs> percent all right, man. Well, thanks again. Um, we'll, we'll sign yeah. off here and um, really appreciate your time, Reggie. Yeah, keep in touch. We'll talk to you. Thanks, Pods. Well, thanks again for joining us. That conversation with Wade was really special. I think Wade's personality really came out there. He's such a down-to-earth guy. He's such an approachable guy. I don't think he's ever forgotten where he's from, his Lloyd Minister roots, his farming roots, uh, everything that he's gone through, everything that he went through that he was so vulnerable with even his time down in the minors that he was openly talking about that a lot of people were very critical uh of that contract and of him getting sent down and you know what this game's human right human human things happen and and sometimes unfortunate things happen to good people but when you have the right mindset about it when you take what you do with pride and and keep yourself accountable uh, like Wade did, um, you know, good things happen. He came back into the show. He got his 1,000 games. He was able to go to the Stanley Cup final after that uh, where a lot of guys maybe would have quit or maybe would have packed it in. But that was not what Wade was all about, and I really appreciate him coming out here today and sharing his story, all the highs, some of the lows, and that's what it takes in a career. That's, that's what it's about. That that's That's how you make it, and that's how you make it work. So... Uh, once again, Wade, I really appreciate you taking the time. All you listeners out there, I really appreciate you taking the time to listen. And um, I look forward to bringing you more 
more great guests here in weeks to come. Uh, stay safe during this corona thing. I know this is a wild, wild time for a lot of us. We have no idea what's happening. The, the news changes on the daily. So the best thing that we can do is try and fill our minds and fill our souls uh, with good things. And uh, I want to keep this podcast being one of those good things. So for people out there, uh, players out there, really take this time to grow. Take this time to get better. Fill your brains with good stuff, with good stories, stuff that you can uh, improve on and stuff that you can use. Uh, get in some good routines. Get in some good habits, things that will serve you. And... Uh, Please find opportunities in this because there is some if you want to look for them. So once again, stay safe, everybody. Stay home, do your part, and uh, and try and find the silver lining in all of this. I know it's there for you if you want to uh, if you want to listen. Uh, so thank you so much for listening, and till next time. This is Jason Padilla without my hockey.